Hello, this is Sarah Vines, female half hour from Male Plus in association with Boots. I'm Imogen Edwards-Jones, stepping in for the lovely Sarah this week, who's unfortunately super unwell. So get well soon, Sarah. Fortunately, we'd still have a show for you today. Sarah and I recorded an interview with writer, presenter, real-life adventurer, and dare I say very handsome, Ben Fogel. Last week, Ben shared some stories about the early days of his career as a reality TV star, about his travels around the globe, and much, much more. We began by talking to Ben about his brilliant campaign to protect and restore biodiversity in the UK. For the last 25 years, my work has involved conservation and nature and working with trees. I work with the United Nations as patron of the wilderness. But what I really focus on as well with companies like HP that mm. I've teamed up with now. and Not uh, HP Source. Not HP Source, no. Hewlett-Packard, mm. computers, printers. I have teamed up with them and they have made a bold decision and have bold ambitions yeah. to plant millions and millions of trees. So they've teamed up with the Arbor Day Foundation, which is a, a great tree planting charity. And last year they planted a million trees. This year they're planning to, to plant another million trees. And the idea being that here are big companies that have an impact. Yeah, We can't get away from the fact everything we do will yeah. have an impact on the environment. So they are taking the initiative and doing something. Mm -hmm. Now, some people, you know, may say, well, it could be something different. Maybe it should be more. But what I love is that they have made a commitment mm -hmm. to do this tree planting. And I went up, there's a beautiful forest called the Mersey Forest. And I went up last year to plant a couple of the small saplings. I went back this year to see their progress. Very, what very are you slow. Planting? A whole mix yeah. of... So that's the question, isn't it? Because lots of people think that Planting trees is obviously a great idea, but we all seem to plant the same ones. And that's the problem, is that we need to have a proper diversity. You need diversity. So, yes. so it all has to be... So the reason they're working with the Arbor Day Foundation is to ensure that they're planting a mixed native yeah. species according to that particular environment. But going back to the, the speed of tree growing as well, I, I think this is really interesting because this, this is the whole environmental message in one example that you have to accept that we're not going to have change overnight. No. Mm. There's that great quote, I, I probably get it slightly wrong, but society grows great when elders grow trees under the shade of which they will, they will never yeah. shield from the, the sun. And that's what I love about this. This is a long-term project. Yeah. Those million trees will take many, many decades before you know, they've reached fruition. But I think if we take this as an example of what we could start doing as a society, yeah. if we slow down and realise we can't have this instant gratification, no. we'd be in a better place. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, this is the, there's all these environmental protesters at the moment who keep throwing paint at things. There was a man <laughs> spraying paint all that around. That makes you very cross. And it just makes you very cross because it just it's such a pointless thing to do. And also because paint is usually oil-based. So if you're from Just Stop Oil and you're spraying oil-based paint, you're not really I helping. thought they were throwing tomato soup. No, there were they were doing yellow paint. They're oh, doing okay. yellow paint on shops. They do do a bit of tomato soup. Mm. There's also been custard pies. But I mean, it's just, you know, I do care genuinely about trees, as Imogen will tell you, and will bore on endlessly, given yeah. the advantage. So I, I do care about the environment. I just don't understand why you would do something so destructive when there are so many other positive things that you could do. Like planting trees. Yes. Can, can I interject here? Just one, one thing as well because you've waxed lyrical about your love of trees, mm. which is so, you, we all love trees. Mm. I mean, you can't not. Sure. There's something yeah. majestic. You know, you look at that, some of them might be 300, 400 yeah. years old. Mm. But what you must remember is that trees are just a part of this 
complex biodiverse mm. habitat. So the trees provide the habitat mm. for all sorts of other bits of flora and fauna. And there are some terrifying stats. I'm not going to reel off all the really terrifying oh, ones. On. But, well, we're the bottom 10% in the world in terms of biodiversity in yeah. the UK. Mm. We've lost 50% of our biodiversity in the last couple of decades. And that's a pretty terrifying thing. So the trees are kind of the, the almost the landmark yeah. items mm. that we can think about and that we have the capabilities of actually planting and bringing them back. But we need to look at the bigger picture, which is overall biodiversity. And you know what? If trees are a good way to start, then I think, you know... Well, I just think it's a good idea to do something that's actually positive and constructive yeah. rather than do something but that's destructive. Are, there are lots of very basic things that you're supposed to be able to do, like even very weird things like creating holes in your fences. For your hedgehogs. For your hedgehogs, so they can roam around. Mm. I mean, they're very boring quiet things that you can do yeah, rather, than, rather than sort of dramatically saying, well, I'm going to plant a tree in my front garden. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. have to. It, you don't have to. It doesn't have to. And by the way, that tree is not some 12-foot great tree. Oak. It can, it yeah. can exactly, thank yeah. you. Uh, it, you know, we're talking little saplings and things. So yes. everyone can do something. But it's even very basic things like not clearing up your leaves so that someone gets somewhere to live for the winter. Absolutely. Yeah. I know. You're, you're very least. knowledgeable. I, yeah, who knew? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, I, I, I just think that this stuff is going to come from grassroots level, people actually getting involved mm. in their own little, I mean, I've been campaigning against the fact they're trying to root up the trees on a road near me. Because they, yeah. the, that's the other thing is, is there was a, there was a 400 year oak that was just chopped down yeah. recently in, I can't remember where it was, somewhere in, in the Midlands, because because the it was local, in the way because the local authority said it was in the way of something. I mean, it's just yeah. you feel like there's no joined up thinking on this. I mean, how can we improve that? Do you well, talk like to you. government? Have you? Have well, it- where, where are our priorities? That's and where's our consistency? You only need to have a look at politics over the last few days. Fracking was allowed, and then suddenly it was banned yeah. again, all within about three days. Yeah, and that's a massive U-turn within the same party. So, not wanting to get into huge amounts of politics, mm. I, I feel. We need, as a nation, a consistency. Mm. I kind of feel that we are at a place now, our standing in the world when it comes to economics and pride is probably not as high as it once was. But I can't help but feel we are on the cusp of being able to show our great green credentials Mm. to the world with great innovation. I see youngsters and their enthusiasm to evolve and to create incredible technology Mm. to improve where we are. So if people want to get involved in your tree planting campaign, what can they do? How can they get there? Very easy. They can go onto my Instagram page. We made a a beautiful little film Mm. and we're asking people to leave a comment on what we could do, Mm -hmm. what they think about the state of the environment. And for every comment left, HP will plant three trees. Brilliant. So it's, you know, oh, okay. hopefully it will no, evolve that, out. It's that easy then. But no swearing, because they won't get a tree if they swear. <laughs> Probably swearing, we, we would like no, to avoid that. No yes. rude comments. If, if, rude uh, comments. Can you just put okay. an emoji there? Uh, no, that, you have to make an more, effort. Imogen. You could put some beautiful tree emojis, I suppose. Okay. But I'd love to I'd love to hear Can your I send you some things. pictures of my trees that I've taken? I'd love yes, to see some pictures of your trees. Okay, great. So a comment, three equals a tree. Looking after your sexual health just got a lot easier. With Boots Online Doctor, you can get access to test kits and prescription treatments, if appropriate, for a variety of sexual health issues. No need to wait for an appointment. Just fill out an online questionnaire today and you can help keep on top of your sexual health from the privacy of your own home. For more information, visit boots.com slash online doctor. Boots, with you for life. T's and C's. 
Access to treatment is subject to an online consultation with a clinician to assess suitability. Subject to availability, charges apply. So what else are you doing apart from planting trees? Are you working on a new series? I am. I've, I've been making a series called Lost World. The series started actually during lockdown when I made a film about Pripyat in the Chernobyl exclusion zone in Ukraine. And I explored this kind of a, this extraordinary abandoned city and, and got to see how it's the real rewilding has taken how place. How nature has reclaimed it. Has reclaimed yeah. it mm. And the wolves are back and the bears are back. Mm. And it seemed to touch a, a nerve for many people. So I have been making a series for the last year. And the first in the series is Detroit. So I went to Gosh, yes, that's fascinating, post-industrialist, because it's completely transformed. uh, There's 100,000 abandoned houses. There are uh, 100 abandoned high schools. There are abandoned shopping malls, abandoned skyscrapers. Yeah, it's it's like 28 days later, isn't it? But what is amazing is there are people... Well, because the headline is that the motor industry went overseas and and went elsewhere. So, So Detroit was at one point the wealthiest city and the wealthiest country in the world. And then literally overnight, the motor industry changed uh, for many different reasons. And there was a huge flight of a million people all left. There were some race riots, which had huge impacts on Mm. on the uh, dynamic and the diversity Mm. of the city. And it was sort of left to itself. And I went to spend about 10 days meeting people who had kind of endured Stayed on, so they're still living there. Still living there, mm. and it's a tough place. You know, it's is it murder, sort of post Does it feel like post-apocalypse? Really, I would be lying if you know. I like to kind of see the positive in it. Mm. And everything. I'd like. I'd be lying if I didn't say that there's a tremendous melancholy there. But I met some beautiful people who are mm. doing amazing things. And in the series as well, we went to Cyprus to the green line between the Turkish Cypriots and the Greek Cypriots. Yeah, north This south, extraordinary yeah. line where no one is like a no man's how, land. How far apart is it? In places, it is six feet. No. And in other places, it's miles apart. Right. Uh, and, and it's a wilderness. Yes, it's extraordinary. It's one of the weird... I've been to some weird places and yeah. it's one of the weirdest places. Yeah. Um, I've ever, What's ever the weirdest been. place you've been to? Yeah. Sorry, I just had to ask Gosh, that Gosh, weirdest, weirdest... I mean, that's really up there. I, I mean, Chernobyl is yeah. pretty extraordinary. I, I don't yeah. think you're going to get that I was at university better. in Kiev two years after Chernobyl. And do you know what they said to us when we arrived? Don't eat the mushrooms. That's all we were told. I was I was in Turin when yeah. the Chernobyl cloud came and sat above mm. Turin because Turin is in a sort of bowl surrounded by the mountains and the cloud sat on and that's why I have a broken thyroid. I have thyroid, yeah. Because I have very, very yeah. mild radon poisoning. Yeah. Very mild. I mean, no. the, but, apparently, but Turin is a centre for thyroid problems yeah. and cancers because so many, because the way the atmosphere worked mm. when it happened. So it was how, absolutely what, what does awful. it look like? I actually was there about three weeks ago. Um, no, I went. I went back. Um, yeah, I went. I, I, thought I thought, the Russians had been. No, they they had. Um, were depending on uh, who you believe, they had either just fled or been forced out. Right. Um, but I went back to visit my friends there, and and actually, a lot of the women who returned to mm. the exclusion zone illegally had been kind of left since the Russians um, right. uh, took over. So I went with aid. I, I drove, I donated some vehicles to the people who protect mm. the place and just drove out just on a private kind of personal mission. And it was partly to do something because I kind of felt slightly disempowered, this extraordinary, mm. terrifying thing happening and just sitting yeah. sitting at home in Oxfordshire kind of... Thinking you know, those you know, poor th- people th- I know. Exactly. Yeah. So, so I went back there and I went back into Pripyat and 
I'll tell you, it's been taken over now by the military yes. um, as a training place. Yeah. I don't think I'm giving away anything no. that isn't in the, the press already. Mm. And it's a pretty extraordinary place. Very, very militarized up there now. And I suspect the days of people being able to visit, because it had become a huge tourist attraction yeah. um, in Ukraine, I suspect the days are probably over. Mm. Um, and how, how dangerous is it to go in well, and it, out still? Well, it depends. When I went, it was before... The bridge had been blown up and there right. were all the, the drone attacks. Yeah. So I would I would imagine my wife wouldn't be so keen if I was off this week. Yeah. But when I went a month ago or so, I felt reasonably safe. Safe. That's yeah. fair to say. But, but, it's, but, all, in, but it's all terms, relative. In terms of radiation. Oh, I see. In yeah. terms of radiation. Well, because the problem now is all the landmines as well. That's, yes. that's arguably one and of the... And the grounds have been churned up. By the well, the Russians digging. dug into the yes. Red Forest. Yes. Um, in terms of radiation, I, you know, you arguably get more radiation poisoning when you go on an aeroplane because you're closer to the sun. So it's actually not too bad. You know, I'm quite radioactive just because I'm a, a male. Right. And bananas are very radioactive. Mm. Um, so th- there's all sorts of things that are much more radioactive than you actually think they are. Right. So you have to be sensible. But it's not maybe as dangerous as some people think. Right. And how long do you think before nature takes over? So how long do you have need to leave somewhere in order for, yes. for it to fall apart? For it to be turn into that great scene, Wilderness. that wonderful scene in Planet of the Apes. Probably a proper exclusive this because I've only just finished filming it, so we haven't even edited. But I was mm. just out in Montserrat in oh, the yeah. Caribbean mm. uh, last week which had a huge volcanic eruption in the 90s and then again in 2010. And it wiped out the capital, Plymouth, and buried it. And it is extraordinary to see, A, through the photographs that have been taken over the years, but to go and walk through what was the capital city. Mm. And it is like going through a jungle now. And the trees are growing up through the bars and the post office and there's the red foam boxes. And For me, that is one of the most extraordinary sites of nature reclaiming. Because you've got this rich volcanic soil, so everything grows. Everything grows incredibly quickly, and three quarters of the island, or two thirds of the island, is in an exclusion zone, so no no one can even go in. Because it's still active, isn't it? It well, it's. It's called scientifically active. So um, it hasn't erupted for about twelve years now, which some people think that may be the end. But what's extraordinary as well is that when Everyone left in such haste. They left everything behind. So all the what were domesticated animals have almost become wild. So there were kind of wild chickens and there's kind of wild What does a wild chicken look like? Yeah, they kind of very similar to a Is normal chicken, bone, to be honest. I didn't notice <laughs> any great adaptations, which, right. you know, they found these extraordinary black frogs in Chernobyl. So, so this kind of ev- this Darwinian evolution does happen in these places. I didn't specifically notice any unique character traits of these chickens. A bit uh, more butch, the maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but it is encouraging to see how quickly yeah. it comes back, yeah. isn't it? Well, I th- that's what I hope people will take away from that series, a bit of hope. You know, yeah. we're living in quite scary times when we look at wars and climate change mm-hmm. and cost of living crisis. All of these things mm. can be overwhelming. And actually, if you just strip it back to bare roots of our impact and how things recover, mm. I think we can hopefully take some good lessons. And um... Where are you on net zero? Do you think it's feasible? Do you think we can do it? I mean, and the other question is, I suppose, which is a question that readers endlessly email me about, which is to say, why is Britain worrying so much when places like China and India produce so much more pollution slash devastation? I, ha- I hate that. I hate it when people say that because it really feels... So I hate that sentiment saying I hate, mm. but it does. It no, really bugs fine, me yeah. out because I hear it all the time. 
why should I do why, why should, should I, I do this because others aren't but that's not really I think if you're a very proud nation and I think if you have if you genuinely care then you would lead by example and you mm. would let others follow mm. if you think about it we in Great Britain the west we've had it pretty good for quite a long time and I understand that lots of lesser developed nations, you know, they're, they're struggling to get, I'm not saying people aren't struggling here, but they're no, no, no. really struggling. You go to parts of Southern Africa and Central Africa and, you know, people are really struggling to, to suddenly impose our sentiments and expect them to live as we would like to for net zero is going to be a difficult one. Mm. So first of all, I don't, I, the, the whole, why should we do something because China are building X, Y, and Z, I, I think, let's forget about that. Let's just look at us. I think it's ambitious, but you have to be ambitious. You know, what was the famous Kennedy quote? We go to the moon, not because it's easy, but but because we can't. I, I, yeah, I probably misquoted it, but mm. it shouldn't be easy. And I think we should have a really bold aspiration, even if we don't necessarily make it. Is it a viable yeah. thing? I, you asked me. I do, I'm not a scientist. No. I'm just a citizen mm. trying to do my best and through observations, seeing what does and doesn't work. And I think, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if in 10 years we're having a debate going, gosh, what were we doing with electric cars? Oh my gosh, what were we doing with wind turbines? But, yeah, but, I don't, I don't but understand. This is where, but this is where we are. Yeah. So let's not just do, no, let's not do the, let's, let's, let's do, wait for 10 years. Let's not do nothing. And in 10 years, yeah. something better yeah. will come yeah. along. So that's kind yeah. of my thoughts on it. Yeah. Better at least make those small changes yeah. now than... Or make a few mistakes yeah. and just, you have know. You, have you always been adventurous? This is the one thing, because what I remember you going on to Karen and say, yeah. yes. Yeah. And it was must have been such a mad thing to have done because you did actually have quite a nice job. You were picture yeah, of Tatler. I was, I was, it was great. I, it was I, just a really lovely job, to be fair. Do you know what I had the... I had Why the, did you do it? I mean, it's such a mad thing to have done. Because what people don't realise about me is that I'm really urban. I grew up in London. I yeah. grew up in... I could see Marble Arch from my bedroom window. Right. You know, we had a house with no garden. And for me, the attraction of the complete opposite yeah. was pretty intoxicating. And I remember I was working in Tatler, which still is based Hanover in Hanover Square, Square yeah. in, in Vogue House. And I was yeah. Hangover Square. Hangover, <laughs> yeah, there yes, was a indeed. lot. I could I have some very good stories. And Vogue House. Days. I was sitting <laughs> in the office one day and I opened a newspaper and there was this advert saying looking for volunteers. And I just thought, I'm going to go and do that. It was it was putting off kind of a proper job because I was. You, you, were, said, yeah, you said I had you? a very good job. It was st- I was basically an apprentice. You were 23 you know, I was, or something. I, I was 23. I was an apprentice. I wasn't. You know, mum and dad were still subsidising me. I was mm. living at home, so I don't think it was a job that would lead to great things. Although, yeah. having said that, my boss did go on to edit the Daily Mail and yeah. uh, and, yeah, and other Geordie and other people have gone on to Giles Corrin. Is not a bad writer. No. I, I would say. <laughs> a very good writer. <laughs> He's brilliant. He's a brilliant writer. Um, so yeah. you know. So so people did go on to great things. Mm. I just wanted the complete opposite and nothing existed like that. Reality TV didn't exist. Mm. So I knew it was the first big reality TV program. It was pre-Big Brother. Yes, so, absolutely. So I, so I was, didn't go there with, with really any know. aspirations to mm. Be become famous. famous or anything. No. Yeah. The island is, remains really important in my life. My yeah. wife and I went there for a honeymoon. Oh, wow. And I, go, I went back last year for a BBC series on, on the Scottish island. So I, I do get back there and, and it... It's kind of where I became a passionate kind of campaigner. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know I'm if sure. I would necessarily use environmentalist, but I certainly became passionate about the environment just because mm. 
when you're living so close to nature, you see the cause and effect of your impact on that landscape. Because mm. for those that are listening to this, thinking, "What is that show? What was that show?" You know, the idea was to become a sustainable community. It was one of the first green projects on mm. TV. So we had a mm. solar panel, we had a hydroelectric dam, we grew all our own crops and reared animals, slaughtered animals. And it was a, a, a little kind of microcosm of starting a, a very small community mm. from scratch. Yeah. And most of us came from urban backgrounds. So it was it was an interesting It was like sort of the good life. It was the reality show for the good life, wasn't it? <laughs> if was you like, watch it now, it's really dull. I tried to show my... T- I thought it it'd be really... Is it really I thought dull? It looks like it was filmed in the, like, And, and, and everyone sounds like the queen and they yes. thought, <laughs> do pass me that, that very it, sharp knife. But it was uh, it was a charming show. You know, we filmed lots of it ourselves. It was an amazing experience. It was a very beautiful show. My sister's boyfriend at the time, Mark McCrum, was the guy who wrote the yep. book. Mark, oh, Mark. yes. He wrote a very good book. Yes, he yeah, did. Yeah, yeah. Everyone hated him. Oh, did they? Because he was <laughs> because he was the snake in the room. That's how he he it was a very interesting experiment in kind of human emotions mm. and and human formation. Because we, the community, became incredibly suspicious of anyone that wasn't us. Outsiders. So we became really suspicious of the BBC. Of course. We hated the BBC. We hated the production company, Lion TV, that made it. Yeah. And Mark, you know, bless him, because I really, really, I still like Mark. And it was a brilliant book that he wrote, by the way. It was really accurate. But a copy got smuggled onto the island (gasps) because stuff got on. Of course. And it tore things up because everyone spoke very honestly because as soon as someone like Mark did come on we yes. used him like a therapist yes and everyone would just offload their frustrations yes. and he wrote it all and, and it was all very accurate but sometimes you don't like what you see in the mirror no and a lot of people didn't like what Gripping. he wrote uh, I'm going to read that now I, I might read it you should do it do you think you'll ever do a, another one my dream in television would be to make the most ambitious TV would it show be, come on, ever tell done. me, dick and pitch. <laughs> well, I t- so it would be. No, so, I'd love to know. Well, it- what's interesting is Channel 4 tried to do a version called Eden that you may or may not have no. read about or heard about. Mm. I believe it was one of the most expensive factual shows ever made. And uh, it fell apart. I don't, I, for, for various reasons. I don't I, remember I it ever being broadcast. And the producers actually, it was a year long project up in Scotland, group of people all going off to live and create a sustainable society. But the problem they did is they kind of took a homogenous group of people. They kind of cast it with people that were all of a certain age, a certain... Yeah, because actually of, that's silly, because what you need is a carpenter. You, you, have, a, you have to have children, you mm. have to have older people, mm. you have mm. to create a kind of a mirror to society, a, a real yeah. mirror to society, not just one that you think mirrors it. So my pitch to you is that I will take a group of 30 to 40 people, men, women, children, mm. all backgrounds, exactly as we did. And we will go away probably somewhere not dissimilar to last time. And we will recreate that. But 25 years on with the evolution of technology and social media right. and all of these things, that none of those existed. But no, we will have none of those. So it will be a much harder proposition for those going on the program. Mm. And the key is to film it all under wraps for a year. The problem happened when you start to, you get so yeah. excited, you tell people about yeah, yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because what happens is people then try to get into your bubble. Mm. Maybe you're filming it now. It. Maybe, maybe. I would love to do it one day. I don't, know that, I don't know that television is ambitious enough. It's, that's kind of... Yeah. Um, but why would you need to even do it on television? Couldn't you just do it and then put it on YouTube? 
probably could. Um, you get, probably don't even need to film it, to be honest. You could probably just do it as a beautiful experiment, yeah. this kind of obsession yeah. that everything has to be... If it's not being well, seen, then it doesn't... Well, exactly. Then, then it's there not you important. Already, yes. you know, maybe, as a maybe teenager, that's, that's, maybe, that's, maybe that's, that's, yeah. the, that's the problem, isn't yes. it? Because the act of observing affects yeah. that that is being observed. Yes. And I think it's one of the problems with reality yes. TV. Reality TV has sort of become unreality TV. Yeah. Well, no, because, because it everyone's shapes a people's behaviour. Yeah. Well, it shapes people's behaviour and they become caricatures yeah. of who they think will stand out. Yeah. And I don't think it's a truism no. of, of what and, society and all your, is. And all your other things that you've done, like rowing across the Atlantic, is that a sort of battle with yourself that you're doing? What, I mean... The idea Ooh. of doing the marathon de Sable Ooh, or something. psychological. Well, no, it's just interesting. It's just, I mean, because yeah. I wrote this book ages ago called Four Mums in a Boat about the four Yorkshire women who rode across the Atlantic. And they were just basically on steely determination. They were utterly untried amateurs. They'd never picked up an oar in their lives. And then everything that goes wrong to you, you have to fix yourself like your water purification thing. I think that was one of the big things that everyone's always terrified of. Anyway, it, to me, it just seems utter madness. And I'd rather eat chocolates and watch television. I mean, why would you? And you've done this repeatedly. You've done the marathon de sable, all those things. If I'm to be really honest, it was probably certainly when I did the very first one, which was kind of marathon de sable, and then the then the row across the Atlantic. They yeah. kind of sedgewayed into into one another. The marathon yeah. de sable, 180 mile yeah. race across the Sahara. I did those because when you appear on a reality show, papers tend to just write you off as a reality show contestant okay, yeah. a posh bloke from a reality show contestant. Yeah. So I kind of wanted to prove, to, to prove I wasn't just a reality show contestant. Yeah. And coming full circle, trees, yeah. you could chuck oil yeah. uh, at a building and paint at a yeah. building or you can plant loads of... Imagine, it, you, you know, there's this whole movement, guerrilla gardening. Yes, I love you know that. It? I mean, it's, I love it's it. amazing. I love it. So guerrilla gardening, for those who don't know, is, don't is know. where you just go out at it's night and you who plant just go up out a, a roundabout. Yeah. And it suddenly is covered in wildflowers yeah. oh, and there are fun. trees yeah. all over it. Oh, and for me, fun. that is a great form of There's also kind of guerrilla knitting, which is a, very I've, peculiar. I've but seen fun some amazing too. guerrilla knitting. Guerrilla knitting is in, fantastic. Uh, Have you not seen all that where they the they just knit things on post boxes? Yes, and stuff that like happens that. a lot around me, <laughs> which I loved. Yeah. But guerrilla gardening is fantastic. Yeah. yeah. So I just think sometimes you have to do something to make a point. And for me, that's what I did with those early challenges yeah. and then maybe moving forward to like Everest that I climbed a few years ago mm. that's probably as we all get a bit I, older don't we need to try and make some sort of point about the fact that it's just an age and that we're still true. able and capable true, and, and true. for me I but think wasn't that really didn't you something happen with your oxygen my oxygen exploded oh, just, God, I just, remember that. just beneath the summit but you know what the these are all the story. This is one of the reasons we go off on these great adventures. So we can yes. come back and we can sit at a table in a beautiful studio, yes. come office, yes. and I can wax lyrical and go, yeah. oh, and then my oxygen bottle exploded. It's, it's so that you've got great conversation to have. And as a father, yeah. I kind of, I, I also reached this point where I kind of didn't just want to be the dad who had done those things, dad yeah. who did those things. I yeah. didn't want to go, did I tell you when I rode the Atlantic yeah. 20 years ago? Yes. God, not I again, dad. I kind of wanted but to be able really to call good. into their school as I did on a satellite phone from the summit Gosh. and say to them all, and I think all the parent, other parent, all the other dads hated me for it, but you know, to say to all the yeah. kids, guess where I am? I'm on the top of Mount Everest. And I just I kind of wanted to give my kids a connection to how the, old the are your children? 
My daughter Ion is 11 and my son Ludo is 12, very nearly 13. And do they have the same interests? If you, or no, are they... I mean, they love the outdoors. Yeah. We live just outside of Henley in Oxfordshire mm-hmm. and they're into horse riding. They love walking. Mm. We've got lots of dogs. So they love the outdoors. And we certainly did a lot of travel pre-pandemic. And then maybe during the pandemic, we had time to think about actually the beauty of here Where and you were, what we yeah. have. So actually, we don't travel as much. And... I'm looking forward to seeing how they Are you have attempted to just take them away and yeah, to an I, island? I, I'd always hoped that that's what I would do. Yeah. I'd always thought that that's what... Sail that around one the day, world. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I'd love to be one of those. Every yes. time I hear, every time Sit I open a paper and, and see it, I, I, yeah. just I have a, delay. a bout of jealousy. I mean, just to delay that awful... Because you see 12 and 11, lovely ages, mm. but you're on the precipice of the nightmare <laughs> of children... <laughs> In Doesn't social have media, to be a nightmare. no, 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 no. Come on, it is. It is. I don't know anyone. It's, it's not easy for anyone mm. because as soon as they get that first smartphone, as soon as they, then they go into that whole world, and then it's almost like their childhood just evaporates mm. overnight. I found it very distressing, anyway. So we, we have very honest conversations about all of this already. Mm. I'm just hoping that when I don't know when they go off on their gap years, I'm going to go with them. <laughs> yes, they probably won't want me, but that's my plan. You're going to be in the suitcase. I get more back. More backpackers going to those backpackers <laughs> yes. places, spending five quid oh. for you know your simple hammock. I, yes. I hope I can do that again with, with great nostalgia. They probably won't want me around by that. Stage. So, do you have another trip planned? And you are you going a to big do one? Well, like, next year's my fiftieth, and right. I would love to do something right to celebrate that. I, mm. I don't, I'm not fearful of that kind of milestone. No, but I think, but it is something that I, I would love to do something else. But I'm also aware that actually, as my children are reaching this point in their life, they need me more than yeah. they've mm. ever needed me before. And I've always made a commitment that because I'm away a lot with my work because mm. I've just. You know, I mentioned the Lost Worlds, but yeah. I also do my new lives in the wild and I do 12 of those a year. So I'm away for about six or seven months, which means... A long time, yeah. I, I, it means I'm away from Your wife from must be an actual saint. I think she's, she but, might she's, be. She's, she's very patient. <laughs> yes. Uh, but, we, you know, we, it works really well. We start to get on each other's nerves if we spend more than mm. a couple of weeks together and then it's time for me to go off and everyone's happy. And then she's so. pleased to see you. And then she's... It's, it's <laughs> yes. like a permanent first yes. date. Yes. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, but no, I've made a commitment to my children that when they need me around, they just say, and I change my diary. And that's mm. why I work so hard so that I do have a cushion to maybe yeah, fall, yeah. fall back on. And, and if they need me now... Then I'll be around. Mm. So maybe that fifty, maybe the big expedition will be put off for a few years. There's no rush to mm. do it. Where's the craziest place on the planet you would like to go? Well, Where would you spend your fiftieth birthday? If you could? Yes. <laughs> if I could go somewhere, what, do you like, want bonkers? Like completely? No, bonkers? I just would love to know that the sort of one place that you've because you have you've been everywhere. I mean, where is the one place that you would love to go that you haven't been to? Well, I'd love to go to Bhutan. I find the mountains mm. really kind of very spiritual. Mm. I'm, I'm not a religious person, but I find the mountains really like, you, you know, when you're in an aeroplane, you can watch uh, yeah. the Andrex adverse and you'll cry. Yes. Uh, so when you're in the mountains, you're really teary. So I just cried my way up Everest. But there's something actually really beautiful about that. Mm. So the idea of going to Bhutan that has this really rich culture yeah. And, yeah. And, and all the noises and the bells, that would be my dream place. But Years have you ago, been there? Have you been no, there? I've no. never been. No, it's called the roof of the world, isn't yeah. it? And that's but, the reason why. But the one other place I'd say, as well as years ago, I went to Papua New Guinea uh, mm. for a series I was making, and I have never been anywhere as extraordinary ever, ever, ever in my life. And I don't know if it was just the time and the place, and I hadn't travelled as much as I have now. And I would love to go back. Um, what was so extraordinary about it? The culture, the people, the language. It was like stepping back in time. Right. I've never been somewhere. so so rich with all of those things. 
it was so different to anything I had ever experienced and beautiful. Like some of the most amazing, one of the most single most amazing experiences of my life was when we were walking through the rainforest there and we were invited to a community into a a party that they put on unbeknownst to us, hundreds, hundreds of people all dancing. And I have never seen anything because it wasn't put on. It wasn't a tourist thing. There are no tourists there. Mm. So this was pure, honest, beautiful humanity. Mm. And every one of us that was there, you know, cameramen who've seen everything, been to war zones, were in floods of tears mm. by the beauty of that. And I'd love to go back to see if if it is still the same, mm. if I can recapture that moment. So, but it's like going back be. in time, isn't it? It's yeah. like actual time travel because you you see things, humans behaving in ways mm. that they probably haven't behaved. Yeah, and, and by the way, sometimes this, nowadays, you can be accused of othering people if you go on, if you go to well, places like that. Oh, do, so there is... <laughs> There's a question of to whether it's appropriate or not. Right. To, to go, go and as, a, as a white Englishman, to yes. go and look at other people and how they live. Yeah. Now, I right. am very firm on this. It's not othering them. It's not laughing. It's not sneering. I'm going with the greatest of humility mm. to observe how I can better myself and how we can better ourselves mm. as a society. But it's interesting in terms of making TV shows it would be quite a hard proposition to right. probably make a film like that mm. right now. I hope that changes because I think that the greatest way that the world comes together is by sharing different ideas and maybe seeing people who haven't progressed technologically as much mm. as we have, mm. maybe what we can well, learn I mean, about. To be honest, it might life. be a vision of our future. Very if we possibly. really do need Sometimes to get you to need net to go zero, back to go, to yeah. go you know, and if people can live without all of the technology yeah. and successfully yeah. and happily, as you say. But it is a question you know, of your perspective, though, isn't it? It's a question of perspective. I think someone like Bruce Parry does very well because he joins in. And I think if you join in, then you're not othering. I think if you're enjoying the, the same amount of joy that they are enjoying, then I think it's fine. I think if you're sort of, you know, if, you're, if you're standing on the sidelines exactly. in a white suit, yeah, with a uh, note, that's there. You go, yes. Yeah. But yeah. That, but it's important, and I think you're quite right. But unfortunately, sometimes the conversation that gets lost in the nuance of that yeah. gets lost in the conversation, yeah, and it's all pulled yeah. in with the same one. Because I would agree with your sentiments there. Mm. If you're actually getting stuck in, and you are. Mm being there but it's you know like lots of things it's it's controversial mm-hmm. but you know that's the world that we're in that's the world that our children mm. are uh, absolutely mm. that was ben fogel and we will put some links in the show notes so you can find out about ben's partnership with hp and the arbor day foundation thanks ben my pleasure so thank nice you for you to come me. in it's lovely to talk to you thank you if you enjoy listening to The Half Hour, why not visit mailplus.co.uk slash subscribe to get access to all our podcast videos, opinion pieces and more. If you want to get in touch, tweet us at mailplus, me at WestminsterWag or Imogen at Imogen EJ. You have been listening to The Female Half Hour with me, Sarah Vine and Imogen Edwards-Jones. Thank you for listening. Hold up. 